is seeing your life as part of something way bigger than, well, I get my three squares meals and I do my job and it's all done. No, no. God wants us to see our lives as His hands and feet because He is the head and we find every single day we are blown away by the things that we get to be involved in because God's kingdom is being birthed in and through the life of the church. And when you get sidetracked by false teaching, that starts to diminish. Everyone wants to matter. We all want our lives to have meaning and value. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that the way to find that purpose is to get behind what God is doing in the lives of those around you. God wants to use you to change people's lives. When you simply respond to Jesus, you'll be astounded by the amazing things that He'll do in and through you. This is where you'll find the purpose and fulfillment that you've always wanted. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 2 John with his continuing study called Truth and Love. verse 3. This is a common greeting in your Bibles, but the Apostle John turns it into a promise. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I love it. It's a promise. It will be with you. And that's the joy that we have as the children of God. That God's grace and His mercy, it, it is with us right now. In truth and love, all because of Jesus. Now, in verse 4, he says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. This is beautiful. John, this elderly man, is saying, look, I rejoice greatly that some of your kids are walking in truth. Now, listen, we need to make sure that as parents and as grandparents and as neighbors and as loved ones, that we are helping kids to walk in the truth. And I think this is important because I've never once in my entire pastoral ministry, which is about 17 years I've been in the pastoral ministry, I've never one time had a parent come up to me crying and said, Pastor, pray for me. My kids love Jesus. They don't abuse drugs. They don't abuse alcohol. They don't have, you know, sexually transmitted. They serve people. And it's so heartbreaking. I've never heard that. Not one time. I've never once said, they are just so into worshiping Jesus. It's hard. No. I did have a couple times where a parent came because God raised up their kids and their kids went on the mission field and they went into hard soils and they said, Pastor Daniel, like they're going into hard area and they're going to be so far away and they're taking my grandkids, I'm going to kill them. But, But I love that Jesus is working in their lives. See, but I have met a million parents who cried on my shoulder because their kids aren't walking in the truth. And when they're not walking in the truth, there's a whole plethora of things that they're involved in that's breaking their heart. And we need to not bow down to our culture. See, our culture says, don't you, you shouldn't teach your kids religion. I had a family member tell this to me recently. I mean, like, how dare you teach your kids about Jesus? I'm like, how dare me? I'm like, first off, they're my kids. Second off, You're just mad because you want me to teach them your religion, which is very ironic 
See, for the, someone says, you shouldn't teach your kids a religion. The reason they say this is because they don't follow a religion, so they don't want competition for their view, and they already got their view into the schools. Like, all parenting is brainwashing, hopefully. <laughs> you know? Like, you teach your kids all this stuff. Like, I always tell little Annabelle, I'm like, Annabelle, don't stick anything up your nose. Stuff comes out your nose, nothing goes up your nose. You know? Because Annabelle, she's a little ham. She'll like take like something, she'll stick it in her nose. Like, and she looks super cute. I take pictures. It's going to be great. Some boy's going to come try and date her. I'm like, yeah, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> look at this one. <laughs> Go away before I kill you, you know? But it's like, that's my job as a parent. You know what I mean? But our culture says, no, no, no. You shouldn't do that. No, we should do that. See, because... We want our kids to walk in the truth. And when someone follows Jesus, the truths of their lives are in line with the purposes and plans that God created somebody for. And so make sure that we are not ashamed to teach our kids the truth and to model that truth. And you parents know this, modeling that truth for your kids is the greatest teacher. I meet more young people, they walk away from Jesus because the testimony of their parents' mouth and the actual way that they lived were so different that they see the hypocrisy and they're like, well, I just don't want to follow you. If that's what, I'm like, well, hold on, listen. Your parents are sinners saved by grace. You know what I mean? They got it wrong, but don't throw out Jesus because your parents got it wrong. But I love this because John's like, I'm rejoicing for you because your kids are walking in truth. Now, I want to speak for one quick second to those of you who are here, and the reason you're here is because your parents drug you to church today. Like, the only reason you're here is because you know if you didn't come, they weren't going to feed you breakfast. Right? Now listen, just for one second. Your parents did that because they love you. That's why they did that. Your parents love you enough to say, while you're living in my house, I want you to come to church with me. And they do that is because they love you and God loves you. And they want to make sure you know that. And so, so listen, I realize that when you, I don't expect you to grab hold of that right now. I remember, you know, my parents would say, well, one day you're going to realize how much we love you. I'm like, yeah, right. And I was wrong. <laughs> you got to get older, you learn things. And you're like, wow. So I'm not asking you to, uh, to uh, subscribe to that right now because might, it might be a big step of faith for you. But the reason they do this is because they love you and they want to see you walk in truth. And they want to see you be able to see yourself the way God sees you because if you don't, you're only going to see yourself the way the world sees you, which is all warped. It's, it's, it's not through glasses that see clearly. The world's lens for your life is actually something that distorts who you are. But the way God sees you, it's perfect 20-20 vision of who you really are. And your parents want that for you. So, so instead of getting mad at them for it, just thank them for the Cheerios and the Fruit Loops. And just keep coming. And we get it. Make sense? And was like, I can't say amen. My mom's sitting next to me. Anyway, moving on. So we need to be true. We need to be true. Now, look what it says in verse 5. It says, and now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should also walk in it. My friends, the truth is love. The truth is love. Look at what he says. He says, and now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. This is so important, my friends, because love offers the clearest test to the truthfulness of your testimony. 
your, the clearest benchmark of your testimony that you are a follower of Jesus is your ability to love another person. This is so important. That's why I say the truth is love. Because the Apostle John said in 1 John 4, 21, and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Jesus said, by this, the world will know you are my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. But this is where the rub comes in. Because for many of us, we know the truth, we believe in Jesus, and over time, we have allowed Satan to distract us by saying, because you know the truth, the truth is what grounds you. No, no, the greatest test of the truthfulness of your belief in Jesus is your ability to love someone, especially someone you don't agree with, especially someone who there's water under the bridge, especially with people who you find it challenging. Your ability to love them despite your disagreements with them is the truest benchmark of your testimony. Now, I realize that's a tough one, isn't it? But you know why this is true? And deep down in your heart, you know it's true. Why? Because God loved you even though you get stuff wrong. God was able to proactively and preemptively love each one of us with all the stuff that we have going on. And he knew everything. He had full disclosure on our, your life and my life. And he loved us still. He loved us even despite us. That is the finished work of Jesus. And because that is the truth of who Jesus is, the good news, then that is why love is the real benchmark for our testimony, because now God's love, despite our failings, is transforming us that we do the same thing. And I think the greatest hindrance to the cause of Jesus in this generation is the fact that people say they believe in Jesus, they don't love other people. People say they believe in Jesus and they don't love other people because someone disagrees socially or morally or politically or even theologically. Instead of loving them, we get angry and we call it righteous indignation. I'm here to tell you that is not righteous anything. I realize this is challenging. And you guys who've been here, you know me well enough to know I'm not preaching down on anybody. Like I'm learning this too. Because something goes on and like, well, serves them right. And I was like, no, 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 Daniel. I get checked by the Spirit. I'm like, oh. Or I'll say something like that out loud and Lynn will look at me, you know? And I'll be like, oh, no. So I realize that this is hard. But as we said earlier, growing is hard sometimes. And I'm grateful that the Spirit of God doesn't let me off the hook so easily by saying, oh, you're the pastor of Crossroads. You got a free pass. Uh-uh. No. No. See, because love is the litmus test for the testimony that I have in Christ. So listen, who are you struggling to love right now? Who, with the situations that you see, with the world the way that it is, with all the junk that's going on, who are you struggling to love? Let's hear the transformed guy with anger management problems who says, I write a new commandment to you, but that which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. See, now I've given you the truth, the principle that's in the word, and now walk in obedience to that. Don't just think, yep, we've got to love everybody. No, no, put legs up. Walk that business out inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants. See, he tells us this truth, and we see it wrapped in the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, now I want you to go put feet on it. 
So brothers and sisters, I want you to put feet on that. We want to obediently follow the Lord. I love this, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. See, this isn't a new teaching. This is as old as humanity. But walk in it now. Put feet on it. Put feet on that faith and say, Lord, I'm going to step out and love somebody who's challenging to love, who I really don't love, but Lord, you love them. And it's not about how I feel. It's about who you are and your kingdom coming in and through my life and in my world. So brothers and sisters, put feet on that stuff. Walk it out because the truth is love. But now it's important because as we move on in verses 7 to 11, we learn something that's very important that we need to protect the truth. We need to protect the truth. Because look at what it says, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess that Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things that we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone, verse 10, comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. We have to protect the truth. Why? Because deception is real. And there are people who their goal is to deceive the people of God. And so in this case, and we saw this in the book of Jude when we studied the first book we looked at in this Little is the New Big series, we saw that we needed to contend for our faith. Why? Because there are deceivers who have come on into the church and they don't confess that Jesus as the Christ coming in the flesh, right? So it's all about, so you can, the litmus test for a true versus a false teacher of the gospel is their theology of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What did he do? Right? And so the early church was under siege by teachers who were going out who didn't really believe in Jesus, didn't believe in his first coming, his first advent, to die on a cross for the sins of the world as a servant of God, nor were they believing in his second coming when Jesus returns to judge the world and to set up his kingdom in consummation. So it's, the deception comes at the place of Christology, who the Lord is. Notice he says, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, it doesn't say they are the antichrist. That is a political figure that's going to rise up in the last days and talk about that another day, right? But this is somebody, obviously, who is anti-Jesus. They want to diminish, they want to diminish the person and work of Jesus, now, he goes on, he says, look to yourselves. That means watch out. That means take heed, be careful that we do not lose the things that we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. So the rewards of following the Lord and being a part of his kingdom are at stake here. And you have to realize that. If you get sidetracked by false teaching, the reward that you lose is your life being part of the bigger story of God's kingdom. See, the problem today is for so many people, and maybe some of us in here today, that because we're not following after the Lord in totality, you end up being drag on the people of God. 
See, the reward you lose is seeing your life as part of something way bigger than, well, I get my three squares meals and I do my job and it's all done. No, no. God wants us to see our lives as his hands and feet because he is the head and we find every single day we are blown away by the things that we get to be involved in because God's kingdom is being birthed in and through the life of the church. And when you get sidetracked by false teaching, that starts to diminish and then your life takes on a warped shape. And that's the problem here. Now, he also says here, and and this is important, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He's saying, look, whoever falls away, whoever goes ahead with these false teachers and does not abide in the teachings of who Jesus truly is does not have God. But he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now, this is super important because lots of things in life are gray, but not this. This is black and white. I think it's important to realize that there are certain things in life that are gray areas. You don't really know what you're supposed to do, but this is not one of those areas. That if you believe in Jesus, the person and work who you read about in the Gospels, which were eyewitness accounts in that generation, if you abide in that, then you have a personal relationship with God. And if you do not, then you do not. And that God wants to have that relationship, but you have to abide in that doctrine. Are you abiding in that doctrine? And this is so severe that verses 10 and 11 almost shock us when we hear it. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Wow. Now you have to realize that in that culture, in the Greco-Roman world of John's day, a traveling philosopher or teacher was very common. They would go into a town and they were able to live because of the kindness of people. So you realize in the early church, there were all these traveling teachers, right? And they would come in town, well, listen, I'm a teacher about Jesus. And they would come on in and the church, because of the church's bent and God's heart for hospitality, would come alongside them. And John says, no, 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 no. These deceivers, these antichrists, you don't take them in your house. Why? For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Now, listen, here's a warning. Not from me, but from the Spirit of God through John. Listen, don't support every ministry that asks for your support. And if you are supporting a ministry that doesn't teach sound doctrine, you should stop. Why? Because your promotion, your partnership with them, you're sharing in the deception and the evil deeds. Now, that's like, whoa. whoa. Listen, God's word is truth. I had a friend, I was talking to him, I was an assistant pastor at the time. He had a buddy who he grew up with, and this guy just wanted to start a ministry, and he's like, well, I'm going to go help him. And I'm like, well, is the guy solid? He's like, no, it's not solid teaching. And I'm like, well, why are you helping him? He's like, well, he's my buddy. And I went back, I brought him to this text. And he said, oh. See, sometimes as Christians, we have the best intentions, but we, again, we want to not have love without truth, which is hypocrisy. See, when in the name of love you support a ministry that isn't love because it's not focused on Jesus, or it's diminishing the gospel message in the name of love, you're actually sinning. And I think that's so important. See, you see how this truth and love thing all put together is so important, isn't it? Now, if you really love, you will put boundaries up in certain situations. See, in the name of love, God doesn't want you to get hurt. Like, love does not allow somebody to sin against God or against you. But if you love outside of truth, you might walk in that. 
And some of you struggle with that, right? Where it's like, well, where's the line? See, true love will not give place so that sin can continue. But we struggle. Like, how does this all work? And I realize it's a little complicated. But here we are reminded we need to make sure we are not partners in something that the Bible would say is anti-Jesus. So we have to beware. And I got two more verses here. We've seen that we need to be true and that the truth is love and we need to protect the truth. And we have one more thing that we need to grab here. And the end of this letter is so beautiful to me because it's so, you would almost miss it if I didn't stop you on it. Because I'll be honest, I've read 2 John tons of times and I never noticed it until this time. Look what it says in verse 12. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Now, this letter closes with a very normal wish. John says, look, I have so many things that I want to tell you, but I don't want to do it with pen and paper, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face. My friends, we need to love being present. We need to love being present. See, you almost missed it. It's like John's just like, oh yeah, man, I got so much to talk to you about, but I don't really want to write. You know, like I got writer's cramp or whatever, or my computer's running slow or whatever, even though John didn't have a computer. He says, but I want to do it face to face. This, it grabbed my heart. Because John understands the truth, he loves to be with the people of God. And brothers and sisters, can I encourage you? You want to be connected face-to-face with the people of God. And listen, like right now, it's like your faces and me, the way we're doing this here. But God wants you to love to be in the presence of his kids. And so I want to encourage you to make sure that you are having those face-to-face intimate relationships with other believers because God does something extraordinary there. For those of you who are part of our online audience, listen, I realize that many of you watch online for all different reasons. There's health reasons, or maybe you're at a distance, and all this. But if you're local here to where we are, can I encourage you to take the step of faith and come onto campus? It's the limitation of the technology we have. You can experience what God is doing here. And I'm not saying it doesn't work, but God wants us to be connected in real time. And I literally believe that as technology moves forward, and as a church, we're always going to be on the edge of technology. We're always going to be trying to leverage it because we have a commitment that we will use any means necessary to help people reach Jesus. We're not going to abandon something unless we think it's against the Lord. But we're going to be right in the middle of it. But in a technological world where now it's easier to text someone than to talk to them, it's easier to send an email than to pick up the phone, you know, I literally believe that the, the church... The gathered people of God together will be the last bastion of true interpersonal relationships left on the world. And we should never lose that. We should love being face-to-face with people. We should love being present. Jesus is We live in a technological world. You can go days and even weeks without setting one foot outside your house because of all the tech you have. But there's more to life than this kind of connection. Today, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to commit to interpersonal connection on a face-to-face level. Don't let social media, texting, or email be enough for you. Use those tools for sure, but don't let them take the place of being present with people. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. 
Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's Word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us next time as Pastor Daniel takes a look at the book of Philemon as you dive into what this tiny book has to say. You might be surprised at the big truths it contains. Pastor Daniel will help you flesh out answers to one of the biggest questions you can ask. How do you know what God's will is for your life? He says you'll find out those answers as you live out who Jesus made you to be right now. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.